1 Kings chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. At that time, Abijah the son of Jeroboam became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise now and disguise yourself so that they will not know that you are the wife of Jeroboam. And go to Shiloh. Behold, Ahia is noticed this. I want you to notice something. Behold, Ajadah the prophet is there. So he's seeking a man of God who spoke concerning to me that I would be king over these people. In verse 3 he says, Take ten loaves with you, some cakes and a jar of honey, and go to him. He'll tell you what will happen to our son. And Jeroboam's wife did so. She arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahiah. And now Ahiah could not see, for he, his eyes were dim because of his old age. And now the Lord has said to him, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you concerning her son, for he is sick. You shall say thus and thus to her, for it will be when she arrives that she will pretend to be another woman. And when he heard this and heard the sound of her feet coming in the doorway, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Notice this question. Why do you pretend to be another woman? For I am sent to you with a harsh message. Go and say to Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you from among the people and made you a leader over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and I gave it to you, yet you have not been like my servant David who kept my commands, who followed me with all his heart to do only that which was right in my sight. You also have done more evil than all who were before you and have gone and made for yourself other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Notice what God says, you have thrown me behind you. And therefore, behold, I'm bringing calamity on the house of Jeroboam. I'm bringing calamity to the house. That, house, that word house literally means family. So God says you're going to have calamity in your family, Jeroboam, and I will cut you off and every male person, both bond and free to Israel. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us on this Father's Day. Bless this word to our lives. Help us to just use it and apply it to our daily living. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. What a story. I want to preach to you this morning on this title. How to build an enduring home. This message, you know, Father's Day is a tough message to preach. And I've been in prayer for all the fathers and men in this church and single parents. And as I was thinking about what to preach, I came across something interesting. You see this scarf. It has beautiful patterns. And it's beautiful. But I want you to notice something interesting. 
And notice that the thread had come loose. And I'm sure it started off small, insignificant, not a big deal. But because it was ignored, because it, no one paid any attention to it, the ends became more and more loose. And as a result, it began to just fall apart and split apart and get ruined. And now when you look at such a beautiful scarf like this, it is now destroyed. It is now ruined because of one thing and one thing only. A loose end. It just began to unravel itself and destroy itself. And when I looked at this scarf like this, I really thought about today. I really thought about the family that we have. I thought about the families in America. Because when you look at today, the family is falling apart. When you look at the home, it is splitting apart. When you look at the family, it is being destroyed. And there are loose ends everywhere today in the modern day family. You see, like this scarf that has patterns, God designed the family to have a certain design. God designed a family to have certain patterns. You see, God has a pattern for the family. God has a pattern for the home. And God's pattern for the family was to be strong, was to be blessed was to be an example to the ungodly. The pattern that God had for the family was to be successful. God's design, for example, for marriage was for it to work out. The Bible says that God hates divorce. He doesn't hate the divorcee, but the reason that God hates divorce is because of not only how expensive it is, but because of the pain it brings to the family. The destruction it brings to children and the confusion. God has a pattern for the home. He has a pattern for the family and the marriage. It was between one man and one woman. God didn't tell Adam, hey, if it doesn't work out, I can make a whole lot more. God made one man and one woman and brought them together. What's interesting is that when you look at the devil, he was around a lot longer than Adam. And it seemed like the devil left him alone. It's only when Adam and Eve got together and made the first family that the devil began to work. Which shows me that since the beginning of time, the devil has had the family on his target. He's always wanted to split apart the family. He's always wanted to destroy the home. And God's perfect design for the family is under attack today. God had a pattern and a design for intimacy. It was between a man and a woman that was married. But there's loose ends there now. God had a design for man and woman. A man is a man, a woman is a woman. Period. That's it. But I feel like I'm trapped. I feel like something else. 
I felt like Superman when I was a kid. Believe me, I'm not. But through the years, we had one little loose end. I believe the loose end was somewhere in the early 70s. Because in the early 50s and 40s, I mean 50s and 60s, the biggest problem you had in school was chewing gum. But somewhere during the sexual revolution and feminism, a little end was loose. It was ignored. It was tolerated. And as generations and generations and generations went by, the ends got looser and looser and looser, pushing the envelope to immorality. And through the years, the threads became loose in the home. And through the years, the design that God had for the home was falling apart. The marriages were ending quicker than ever. Children were no longer as submissive and obedient, but rebellious. And the rise of same-sex relationships increased. And through the years, the ends were coming apart. You see, when we live under God's design for the home and His pattern, it endures. It will bring love to your home. It will bring blessing to your home. It will bring strength to your home. But when we choose to live outside of the pattern and design that God had for the family, the ends become more and more loose and things that God intended to be a blessing get destroyed. And we have a serious problem today in our country. There is a cry out in America that God he needs to do something. Because we look at now what is being accepted and, show, and sociably just normative and it's fine. We are seeing the loose ends come apart and we are doing nothing about it. And you're seeing the loose ends in your own personal life, in your own family, your own marriages. And there are men everywhere seeing the self-destruction of their marriage and their family and their children. And we tolerate it and excuse it and justify it and ignore it until it goes to a point where it becomes so apart, so destroyed, that then we run to God and God said, why did you ignore the loose ends? 1 Corinthians 16 says this, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says to parents to be on alert. It says it's a, a father's verse. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith and act like men. Be strong. And we need today more men to act like men. We need men to stand up and act like a man. But let me tell you what that means. Hold that verse there. Because I'm not expecting you now to grow a beard, go to Bass Pro, buy a gun, and I'm a man now. No. No. That is not manhood. 
That's the majority of our church, but let me tell you in the Scriptures that being a man was a man that was firm in the Word of God. That's what it meant to act like a man. It meant you were the leader of the home. Not the dictator of the home, the leader. You led by example. You are the one that got the children together and prayed with them. You read the Bible to them. You're the one that gets together and tells the kids, hey, get dressed, we're going to church today. And on the way to church, you're not fighting with your wife and their mother. You're worshiping and getting excited for church. And you're telling your kids, I'm so excited, kids. I wonder what Pastor David's going to preach. And you need, they need to see that excitement for the things of God. They need to see Dad praying. They need to see Dad in the Word of God when life is stressful. That's what it means to act like men. There are great men in the Bible. There are men that God used. And the two examples I want to share with you is proof that manhood has nothing to do with getting dirt under your fingernails. You look at Jacob and Esau. And Esau was an outdoorsman. You gave Esau a Bass Pro gift card. That's, yes, you did. He, had, he was a hairy man. He loved to hunt. He loved the outdoors. But his twin brother, Jacob, had soft skin, smooth skin. He was the mama's boy. He liked to be at home more. The Bible says he liked to cook. So then, when Esau used to watch the outdoor channel, Jacob liked HDTV, and that was okay. Because God chose Jacob and made a great nation out of him and out of Israel. Out of Jacob came Israel. We have to stop thinking that manhood is being tough on the outside. Acting like a man. Is serving God, leading the home, being the example. But see, today, God's design for the family, all of those ends are being loose. And when you live under, when, see, when you act like a man, and you live under the authority of God, and you're leading your kids to church and prayer, and you're being the example of godliness, today our sick world looks at that, and anyone that wants to live under the design of God, we call that sexist. We call that racist. We call it homophobic. We call it misogynistic. And today the ends are being loosened. And no, God's design for love is not the actual design. No, love is just love. So there's an upbringing, there's a rise in same-sex marriages because love is love. And today we see now that, that a man can become a woman. And a woman can become a man. And there's not, you know, God says there's a man, there's a woman. No, there's 800 genders. And we're accepting this. We're not speaking out against it. We're allowing it. Just look at your phone. 
Look at these emojis. Accept it today. You got two guys and a son. Two women and a daughter. It's not a beer belly. That's a pregnant man. That's a bearded lady. And in my generation, a bearded lady was only seen in the circus as a freak show. But today, you can see her at Starbucks, the grocery store. It's normal. We're trying to get the loose ends to become looser. This is the family today. It's not God's design, but it's our design. And this is what we're trying to get everyone to accept, even in the church. There's an attack on the family. The government wants more control over our children. Teaching them outside of the Bible that what is immoral is perfectly normal and acceptable. There's a rise in liberal feminism pushing this new idea that marriage should be illegal, unconstitutional, because marriage, quote, it is a Christian Judaic concept that promotes slavery. And some of you say, yeah, that's marriage, it's slavery. It's a blessing. Today, the family is falling apart. And you say, well, where did it go? How, how did it get this far? Believe me, it started small. It was a little loose thread that was ignored. And today, people in the church would look at this and say, Pastor, you're absolutely right. This world is crazy. We need Jesus to come soon. This is out of hand. This is out of control. This is just shocking to me. But church, the loose ends is not just out there in the world. The loose ends are here in the church. In the family of God. It's not just the ungodly that have loose ends. No, it's those that are professing Christians that the ends are coming apart. Divorce is at 66% among Christians. Just think about that. It's almost as high as those that aren't. 70% of men in the church indulge in pornography once, at least once a month. The popular website, Ashley Madison, that is used to have affairs, says 54% of its users attend church regularly and profess to be Christian. Lust is breaking the family apart in the church. 15% of families now today eat together and pray together and talk. 15%. 70% of 
of kids after the age of 18 will never step foot back in the church. 70% at 18 say, I'm done with God, I'm done with the church, I'm done with this, never to return. And that number only gets higher as they turn 20 and into their 30s. And when asked why, simple, the majority of those children, they noticed there was a pattern. They said that their parents were one way at home and one way in church. Four out of ten people in the church today in America don't believe in hell or the devil. 11% of families, 11% of people read the Bible weekly. 5% of Christians actually tie to the church. 5%. 4,500 churches close every year in America. 20% of families attend church regularly. It might be shocking, but it's not a surprise. We need the home to endure today, amen? We need the family more than ever to endure. Because at this rate, there will be no more churches. At this rate, the concept of serving God will be an old-fashioned, obsolete principle. At this rate, now, even today, there's a rise on people not even wanting to be married anymore. And by the year 2050, marriage will be no more. More than ever today, the home needs to endure. I want you to look at your family like this scarf. Because maybe there's a loose end somewhere you're ignoring. There's something you know I could do better, but maybe next time, maybe later. I know I should be doing this right, but I'm at what loose ends do you have at home? Do you have loose ends with your spouse? Well, I know I need to be a little bit nicer to them. I know I need to go out with them more and spend more time with her. I, I know that, that I need to be more kind with my words. I know there's a loose end there, but you're doing nothing about it. And your family's falling apart. Well, I, I know there's a little loose end with my temper, and I just get stressed, I just get tired, but I get over it. You might get over it, but your family doesn't. And you ignore it. And it comes time and time again, and your family begins to fall apart, all because of a loose end. There's a loose end with your child. You see that they're going the wrong direction. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to serve God. You see that they're hanging out with the wrong people, the wrong friends. They're watching the wrong things. And you see the loose end, but parents are doing nothing. Why? Because we're too busy. We're too tired. We have our own issues. They'll grow out of it. And as they grow out of it, you look at them and you see how they've fallen apart. Because there's so many loose ends in the family today. And it only gets worse, never better. And that's what happened in the story we read with Jeroboam. Jeroboam was off to a good start. He was a nobody. And God made him king over ten tribes of Israel. And God gave him a great family, a wife and children. 
to lead in godliness. And God gave him these simple instructions. This was a normal, everyday man that God blessed as a leader. And God gave him such a simple instruction. I can read it to you in one verse. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38. He said this, It will be that if you listen to all my commands, if you listen to all that I command, command you, and if you walk in all of my ways, if you do what is right in my sight by observing my statutes and by my commandments as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build you a what? An enduring house as I built for David. God's promise to build a home that endures. That word house literally means family. And God made a vow and God made a promise to him that I will promise you a family that endures, a family that stays together, a family that grows strong, a family that is blessed, a family that I will be with. I will build you an enduring house if you listen to me. Notice the pattern that God used. If you listen to me, meaning if you spend time at my word, you want a home that endures, I ask you this, how much time do you spend in the word of God every day? Sunday doesn't count. You have to spend time in the Word of God. And when you spend time in the Word of God in prayer, God says, if you just walk in my ways, if you do what you read, if you walk in my ways, if you obey, so what God is saying, if you would spend time in my Word and make my Word the authority of your life, it means that when God's Word is the authority of your life, it dictates the way you live. It dictates the choices you make. It dictates your values. And I grew up in a home that the authority of God's Word was always first, and that was sometimes hard for me to understand. But Mom would always say, others may, we will not. And I was like, oh my goodness! But I thank you. I thank my father. My father worked two, three jobs at a time to provide, but he was in church every Sunday with us, serving. I not once heard my dad say, I'm too tired. I've been working all week. I'm just going to stay in and watch football. My dad went to church Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and Sunday nights with us. And I thank you, dad. Because that was an example. But today, there are too many excuses why you can't go to church. Oh, there's a little gray cloud. Can't go. Oh my gosh, I think it's COVID. Can't go. 
And we make all these excuses. And we're not spending time in God's Word. We're not making it the authority of our lives. And God says, when you listen to my word, when you walk in my word, and you do what is right in my eyes, which God says here now, when you begin to listen to the word of God, when you begin to walk in it, you begin to do what is right in my eyes, which means you develop a godly view, not a worldly view. You see things different. That's when God begins to build an enduring home. With too many men today, and people are not listening to the Word of God. We're not making the Word of God the authority of our lives. And we have a worldly view, not a godly view of life. Psalm 127.1 says this, you guys okay today? It's kind of quiet. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Unless the Lord builds the house. Can we say amen to that? Unless the Lord builds the house, the labor is in vain. The labor in vain who built it. Unless God builds the family, You're wasting your time. God is straightforward and honest like I am today. If God's not first in your home, you are wasting your time trying to raise good kids, trying to raise godly kids. If God is not first in your life, you are wasting your, try your time trying to be blessed. Unless the Lord builds the house, that word build literally is talking about the foundation it's describing putting God first. What happened to putting God first in our home? It's putting God first. He's in charge. We have total dependence on God. We serve Him and Him alone. His Word is the authority. We walk by it, live by it. We have a godly worldview. And in this home, we put God first. It's the outcry of Joshua. As for me and my family, we serve God. He did not ask the kids, do you want to serve God? Do you want to serve God? Do you want... Oh, no, you want to stay in? Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. No! He said, as for me and my family, we're serving God. If not, you're wasting your time. It's in vain. The family, the home cannot endure, will not endure, if God is not first. My question to you men today, and women, because I know you like this Father's Day message too. It's blessing you too, amen? God says, unless I build a home, you're wasting your time, useless. My honest to God question for everyone here, what's your life built on? Some people might say it's money. I work. This money is the foundation. 
we need more money. And your kids look at you and all they hear you talk about is how much money you don't have and how expensive things are. And I got to work and that's expensive. Shout out the light. It's money, money, money. Your, your life is built on money. Your life is built on possessions. Or oh, I need money so I can buy a bigger house and have a nicer car and save up for a nice 401 and, and I need a bigger house because maybe we can get into that extra vacation house and, and we need more money to buy this and to buy that and I want to put food on the table and I want to put clothes on my children's back and I want that clothes to be nice and God say, what good is it if you put food on the table and clothes on their back if they're not serving God? For some, the, the foundation is built on pleasure. You just want to be happy. It's the pursuit of happiness. It's power, influence. But is it serving God? Because that's the legacy you leave behind. You know, you, you could leave your kid in a nice inheritance. It's worthless. You, you can leave your kid behind a good business. It's in vain. It's worthless. But if you leave behind a legacy of serving God, your kids will take that on to the next generation, and that will be a blessing that keeps going. What good is it? God says, if I'm not the builder of the home, you're building in vain. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus used the same language here. He says, you of little faith. It's 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. Let me, put it, let me read it for you guys. I also say to you, Peter, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower. Jesus looked at His disciples and He looked at Peter and He used the same language for build. He said, I'm the foundation, Peter. Peter, I'm first in the church. And when I'm first, when I build it, Hades, that word literally means hell. It means the demonic realm. It means Satan will not prevail, will not overpower, will not win. See, there's a connection here because if it feels like hell in the home, do you believe that we have hell in the home today? Does it feel like the devil is winning? Does it feel like he's overpowering your children and your marriage? Does it ever feel like the devil is just wreaking havoc in your family? Here's why. Because Jesus says that when I build it, he cannot win. He cannot prevail. If the Lord is not the builder and the foundation of your family, hell will prevail your children will grow to be torn apart like the cloth I showed you. Hell and the demonic realm will control when God is not the foundation of the home. 
It's important that you listen to this because you look at all the loose ends. And you look at how the family is just falling apart. And how more and more people are just not willing to serve God anymore. My question is, what are you going to do about this today? Jeroboam was off to a good start. But he had a loose end. He had a good start, but a terrible finish. And when I look at the family today, you might have been off to a good start when they were born. You might have been off to a good start when you said, I do. So many people are finishing this life terrible. Divorcing. Lying. Losing their children. Breaking their family apart. Because Jeroboam He was off to a good start, but he compromised. It was one little loose end. He started worshiping idols. And an idol is anything that takes the place of God. In other words, Jeroboam was not putting God first anymore. And he started living like the other ungodly pagans around him. And he compromised. And there came a point that the Bible says that Jeroboam put God behind him. He turned his back on God. And it started off with a little thread, a little compromise, a little choice. All it takes, men, is one little compromise, one little choice for you to begin to turn your back on the goodness of God and the blessings of God and see your family torn apart because of one little loose thread. And he put God behind them. Men, when you put God behind you, there is nothing to look forward to. But he started worshiping idols in verse 1. But I want you to look at verse 2. Because as Jeroboam began to not serve God anymore, the Bible says his child got sick. Why didn't he get sick? His son died. Why didn't Jeroboam die? Why, why, did, why did his son die? God said, from now on, I'm going to curse every man, every male in your generation, your family line. Why did God do that? Because God is trying to teach men today, your choices have a profound impact on your children and the generation after that. It's not enough that God would punish Jeroboam. He took his son away because he wanted Jeroboam to learn that your choices do not only affect you, it affects your entire household. It affects your entire family. It affects the generation after you. Your choices matter. The devil lies. This is just for you. It's just hurting you. No one else is going to hurt. No one else is going to see this. But you don't realize that every time you compromise, every time you make that choice to do what is ungodly, the threat gets looser 
and looser and looser. And there came a point that Jeroboam saw his sick son. And the reason that Jeroboam said to his wife, go look for a prophet, go pray, go seek God, because he knew his choices and what his son was going through was directly as a result of how he was living his life with God. Men have to realize your choices affect your children. So make better choices, amen? Compromise. A little thread tore his whole family and generation apart. Verse 2. The home could not endure not only because he was compromising and making wrong choices. He did what a lot of men do. Jeroboam said to his wife, arise now and do something. Jeroboam should have ran to God and said, Lord, forgive me, but what did he do? Honey, you take care of it. Men have been doing this for hundreds of years, huh? Ask your mother. Ask your mom. I don't want to deal with it. Go to your mom. Instead of him running to God, he shifted responsibility to the wife. That's poor leadership. And what's worse is that as he shifted responsibility, he wasn't realized that he missed the opportunity to get his family right. God would have forgiven him. Because throughout the Bible, there are many that did what Jeroboam did and God forgave them and restored them. But instead of running to God in repentance, he shifted blame and responsibility. He's your son. Every time my dog does something bad, I tell Jericho, this is your dog. Come on, clean him. And that's what we do as men. We shift responsibility. The reason the home cannot endure today in the eyes of God is because we have too many men or even single parents that have to be leaders, but they're just shifting their responsibility over. And you'll be surprised how many parents shift their responsibility to the school. They shift the responsibility to the television. They, they shift the responsibility to the little phone and TikTok. They just shift it. Just go to your room. Just go play. No, deal with it. The home cannot endure because it's easier to say, no, I'll take care of it later. You deal with it. But no, had Jeroboam dealt with it at that moment, he would have saved his family. And as she shifted the responsibility, the Bible says that he told her, go, go to the man of God and just and pretend to be someone else. And that's why the home is not enduring today because we're good at faking it. I'm preaching good for Father's Day. Father's Day's hard. Come on. Help me preach today. Let's just, honey, let's just go and pretend. And a lot of us do this. We're going to go to church and pretend. <laughs> honey, I'm going to pretend that, I, that we're, we're like this. We're going to pretend that we're, we have a great marriage. Kids, you're going to pretend like mommy and daddy don't fight. We're going to pretend. We're going to worship. We're going to read the Bible. And say, hey, how are you, Pastor? Great sermons. Thank you. We're going to, we'll fight later. We'll pretend. And hear what I want to really preach. Can I preach right now? She didn't question it. She didn't say, that's crazy. 
She did it. Why? Because I'm sure it's not the first time. There comes a point that faking and pretending gets easy. And we have too many people not only shifting responsibility, but we're just going to pretend to be happy. We're going to pretend to be spiritual. We're going to pretend to be okay. But when that woman was pretending and she went to the man of God, the first thing out of his mouth was, why are you pretending? That's what God wants you to see. I know you. I know what you're dealing with. I know who you are. I know what you're not. Why are you pretending? And then God says, would you go tell that father and husband and leader of that house that I warned him about this? And I told him if he would have walked in my ways, if he would have just listened to my word and made my word the authority of his life, if he would have seen the way I see life and would have obeyed me, I would have blessed him with an enduring home. But because he chose to leave the end loose, because he chose to disobey me, because he chose not to fear me and put me behind him, would you tell him now that his son is going to die? Can you imagine the guilt of that father knowing his son was gone because of his choices? And I wonder how many parents are going to look at their children gone into the world because of their choices. Because you shifted responsibility and pretended all the time. Let me close with this. Verse 8. How to build an enduring home. God says, you listen to my word. You walk in my word and make it the authority of your life. And you develop a godly worldview. But in verse 8, something interesting happens. Verse 8, he says, I tore the kingdom away from the house of David and I gave it to you. God says, I blessed you. I gave you a blessing. And I want you to just let this sink in. The wife that you have right now was given to you by God. The children that you're raising were given to you by God. And God is saying like he did to Jeroboam, I gave you a home. I gave you a family. I gave you children. Yet you blew it. You have not been like my servant David, who kept my commands, who followed me with all his heart to do only that what was right in my eyes. And when I read that, I said to God, wait a minute, God. Help me understand because this is not making sense. You told Jeroboam the reason your family is tearing apart, the reason that your home is falling apart, the reason that your home is not blessed, the reason you're losing your children is because you're not like David? And I said, wait a minute, God. David was an adulterer. Already that made him a terrible husband. David was a murderer. That made him a terrible servant of God and leader. 
David failed as a husband. David failed as a believer. David failed as a father. Because when his other children, the Bible says that because of his adultery, his firstborn died. So David lived with that guilt that his child was gone because of his choices. And then when his other children grew up, one of them raped her half-sister. The other one murdered his brother. So you look at David's life and his family is dysfunctional. So I said, wait a minute, God, why is it that you told Jeroboam, you're not like my servant David? When David failed as a husband and a father and a leader. And I'm sure that in this room today, there are failures in your parents, in your parenting. There is failures in your marriage. There is failure in your serving God. But I love that God said this. Because the more I reminded God, who needs not to be reminded, by the way, the more I reminded God of all of David's failures, the more the Lord impressed in my heart, don't you get it, David? I'm not asking for a perfect father. Because you're not. I'm not asking for a perfect husband. Because church, you know you're not. I'm not asking for a perfect Christian. What made David so special was that when David lied, when David cheated and murdered, when David stopped serving God, the minute a prophet came to him and said, you have sinned. David took responsibility and said, Lord, against you and only you have I sinned. And Lord, would you please change my heart? You see, when you have a loose end, your pastor researched this stuff. But when you have a loose end, you don't throw it away. You don't give up on it. What you do, it says, you work on it from the inside. And on the inside, you start pulling it back together. And on the inside, you start pulling it back together. Say that with me. On the inside, you start pulling it back together. You see what David did when he saw a loose end? He went to God and said, Lord, change the inside. Change my heart because I need to pull my life together. I need to pull my marriage together. I need to pull my children back together. Lord, but before I can do any of that, I need you to pull me together and change my heart. And he took responsibility. He did not shift. He did not pretend. He said, Lord, it is what it is. I failed. I sinned. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. And he got himself up and started serving God again. So what if you're a failure as a husband? What if you failed as a parent? 
What if the, the threads are all loose everywhere? Here's what I want to tell you. Pull yourself together, man. Pull yourself together. Come on, help me preach. Turn to your neighbor's say, Pull yourself together. yourself together. Let's all stand. Pull yourself together. God's not looking for perfect. He's looking for faithful. If you take responsibility, that means some of you have to sit down with your children and say, I was wrong in how I raised you. I was wrong in what I did. But the Lord forgave me, and I hope you can forgive me as well. And from here on out, I'm going to do better. And maybe they don't even live with you anymore. Or maybe they do. But we need more parents to take responsibility. And when you fail again, because you will, even in front of your children, you go to your children and say, Honey, I'm sorry I talked to mommy that way. That was wrong. And I hope that you can forgive me. And I hope you never let any man treat you that way. I was wrong. You have to show your imperfections and stop pretending. You have to say, Lord, I'm not shifting anymore. I'm not pretending anymore. I'm declaring to you, Lord, I have fallen short. I have failed. But I want my life and my family, my marriage to be pulled back together. Spend time in His Word. Make the Word of God the authority of your life. And start seeing the world the way God This Father's Day, I want you to know that you can pull yourself together and build an enduring home. I want every father to come up here this morning. I do it for the mamas. I'm going to do it for the dads. Come on. I want every single mother to come up here as well. it up for all these men today. Come on. Pull yourself together. Let's all stretch a hand and pray for them today. But men, before I pray, I want you to just take responsibility today. Would you tell the Lord where your end is loose? Is it morally, sexually, emotionally, spiritually? Oh God, right now, this is my loose end. The Lord knows it. But today, would you stop shifting responsibility and take it? Would you stop pretending and owning it? Say, Lord, like David, I failed and will fail again. And like David, I will hurt people people will hurt that don't deserve to be hurt because of my choices. I will not always be an example as a father to my children. But Lord, I will, will no longer blame. But like David, I will repent 
And I ask you to change my heart. Pull me back together. Let me pray for you, man. In the name of Jesus, and no other name. Father, we lift up all loose ends. Every loose end that the devil has on them. Every family that secretly is falling apart. Every loveless marriage. Every lustful eye. Every broken promise. Father, the ends are loose everywhere. Father, forgive us when we do not listen to your word, but run to other things. Forgive us, Lord, for not building a house that you are the foundation. Forgive us, Lord, when your word is not the authority of our lives and our choices. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't walk in you. And like David, Father, we just pray and repent and ask you to change the hearts of all the men who and pull them back together. And I pray in Jesus' name that pride be destroyed, that weakness will be exposed. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give the men here strength to pull back the loose ends, bring love back to that marriage in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, bring love back to that home. In Jesus' name, bring hope back to our children. And forgive us, Lord. We thank you for this Father's Day. Jesus' name, I take responsibility. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Come on, give it up for the men here today. Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Come on, give it up for the men. Good. They're doing a great job. Amen.